had a video and everything and it didn't work. Hello everyone. Welcome to an off topic. Aaron Walker said late Dino up to his old tricks again. We're on time. I'm pretty sure I was on time, right? Close to on time. I don't know. I tried, I was up to doing something and then I was like, oh, it's almost time. And so yeah, welcome everyone. Welcome everyone off topic. So rare Raul coming in first. Mike Baston second, no beer today. Arikata first is the worst, second is the best, third, the one with the hairy chest. So yeah, that's how we're starting today. Um, <clears throat> I want to discuss quickly the um, Sora Andrews yesterday. Thank you to everybody for watching that one. Uh, for full disclosure, I we ended the stream and I was like, Andy, that was like a total shit show. And sometimes Sora Andrews is like that. It like purposely, sort of. But I appreciate that uh, there are a few people who have described that show as like two people in a pub just talking about So Rare. And sometimes I take that literally. We weren't like drinking yesterday. I definitely was not. I don't know about Andy. But <clears throat> there's that. Um, Sari here says, nice shave, bro. I, I shaved last week too. Nobody commented. And this week... I get a comment almost immediately. Sorry for those who are listening, but I happened to shave today. So, Sora Holland, hello. Good evening. So, I mentioned on the show yesterday where we talked about like a thousand things that I actually had specific things to talk about today, which is weird because off topic is kind of what was supposed to be. We can talk about whatever. Johanneton actually mentioned it yesterday and it was like, this, feel, this feels, meaning Sora Andrews, felt like off topic. But there are a few things I wanted to get to today. My guess is I'll get to at least like one of them and then I'll go off topic as you, as you do. But I wanted to bring up something that Nepenthes has been discussing this week and he's actually streaming now. I got a notification, which is kind of a bummer because nobody's going to watch that because I'm here, obviously. But the... The, there were like a few things that he has discussed this week that I thought was worth discussing. And I kind of have been talking to him a little bit about it, but not too much. But there were a few things that he brought up. One was like, can you plan to win All-Star Rare? Which is kind of an interesting idea. But the one I wanted to talk about, which I think is something that we all need to consider, is like, what are you trying to get out of so Rare? And... I think he mentioned it when he came on, oh, it was this show, a few weeks ago. But he was like, I would love to have a gallery of just rewards, and I just snowball those. And it's just like rewards, winning rewards, winning rewards. And there are like some people who do that. Like so a lot of the early adopters like bought cards, but and they're probably still playing cards that they bought, but what it looks like, they've just snowballed a ton of rewards. And so they're winning rewards with rewards. And I think people have described it as like risk-free, which is kind of funny. Like a lot of people's goal is to end up withdrawing all of the money that they deposited while still having a gallery of cards. And people consider that risk-free. I'm not even going to go into that because I don't think it's risk-free, but it makes people feel better that way. But Nep said to me like what he was trying to get out of so rare, but effectively it was that like, I just want to win enough where it, it just kind of like works itself. And I think it's something that everybody thinks they want, but it also kind of misses the point of, of so rare, like in, in a big way. I'm trying to like look here to see exactly how he phrased it because I, I'm, I think it's important because I think he described kind of exactly how people think. Like ideally, I think like I think the idea that people want to believe in is that they can get so good at so rare that it just constantly churns thousands of dollars of prizes every week and you can withdraw that and like live your life off of so rare. 
And realistically, that's not happening. Period. Like you're not going to get to that point. And the people who are able to generate that much in re rewards every week, the, the number of people who do that is low. And it's, it was usually a significant amount of money that was deposited onto SoRare to start that. Like generally the, generally the idea is you need a lot of money to like buy the, like it, you have to get to the upper levels of so rare to do this. Like you, you're not going to be able to play just limiteds and rares or even limited rare and rare pro and, and win enough for that to pay for a lifestyle, regardless of what level of lifestyle it is. And Nanzo brings up this point that I, I was going to get to, but we may as well just bring it in here. He said, you need to reinvest and sculpt your gallery if you're going to be continuously successful, which is something that I think a lot of people overlook because you can have the best players, but sometimes they don't necessarily have the best matchups and that actually hurts the amount that you can win. Sorry, I'm still scrolling through here. Um, but the topic of this show, here we go. So I apologize that I'm literally reading private messages from NEP. But I think this is something that he has spoken about publicly. And so I feel comfortable. And um, Nep, if you want me to take this out, uh, I don't actually know how to do that. So I'm sorry. But anyway, he said, for me, being free rolling, which I think is exactly what a lot of people want, which I think Mike Bastin is correct here, is the diluted thought for the majority. And so there's that. And not to say that that is isn't a worthwhile goal because there, there are people who play right now and have very big galleries and have taken way more out than they put in. So it's not impossible. It's harder if you start now, obviously, but anyway. So having a gallery of only rewards to win cards is the ultimate dream. But then we kind of go into the, but he's only one all-star rare one. He only has one all-star rare podium in two years. And he said, is this bad luck, bad strategy? We're not prioritizing. And he's like, I wonder if building for one tournament makes sense. Meaning like to win all-star rare. And this is where I want to go into the luck thing. Because as much as we want to, as much as we make like the best decisions that we can each week, it's really down to luck of like how successful of a game week we have. And I wanted to go through sort of the different steps of how that happens. And so let's see, Berger here said, each week is based on luck for me, not because I don't think I have good skills at player scouting, but because I play K-League, so it's up to Opta. Which, sure, there is theoretically luck there as well. And the, the luck... Luck goes in a lot of different ways. And there are people who are like, you have to make your own luck or luck doesn't matter. You just have to put yourselves in the best situations that you can. And I think those are two very different things that have to be aligned for you to have a lot of success really in anything, but a lot in on Sorare. And so I don't, I don't want to... So Sorare Holland says, if you're not a whale, it's pretty much all luck. But, but even... The whales need luck. And, and that's what I wanted to get into. And so, well, I didn't want to get into whale luck. I don't, that's, nobody needs to hear that. So I'm going to, I'm going to apologize before I start this because it's going to include me whining about my own luck. And if that is bothersome to you, like I get it. I don't like hearing other people complain about stuff. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be objective in my complaints, if that makes sense. So I was fortunate enough to um, podium All-Star Rare Pro and U23 Rare Pro in the last four game weeks. Game week 375, I don't even know what we're up to, 381. So last weekend, 
I finished second in all-star rare pro and two weeks before that. So three, seven, that was 379. And then game week 375, I was second in U23 rare pro. And I got some, I got lucky for a whole lot of reasons. But one of the things I got lucky about last week is that I, I got some sort of stat correction where I was actually third and then moved up to second. So that in itself, like propelled me, the ETH difference is a lot. And so I was like, all right, I'm pretty lucky. And so you need to have certain things go your way in order to have a successful game week. Like you could pick the guys who have really good matchups and the, you know, the, the matchups have to play out as we all expect it. And then, you know, if they're, your player scores a goal, but somebody was actually offside, but they missed it, like that's kind of lucky. So all of the things that go into having a successful game week, there are some things, like I said, you can pick the players in the right matchups with good op opponent scores and all of this stuff. And at some point, luck has to be on your side for all of those of five different players having good games in the same game. But then, and this is where I, I was actually going to bring this up on limited time only on Wednesday, that a lot of times people are like, as long as I get one or two star rewards, that probably pays off the lineups that I made. Like, this is how a lot of people think that when we, like back when we talk about cheap stacks and you're like, I just need this stack to hit once. And then everything is paid off. And so I wanted to kind of go back on, go, go back to that idea that as long as you win or as long as you have a podium, everything's fine. And this is where I'm going to start complaining. So I'm actually going to go back to game week 359, which was my fourth god i sound like such an asshole that was my fourth podium so i've had seven uh, one two three four five i've had seven podiums in my entire time on so rare two were in the same game week the first one was game week 186 and now the reward pools were very different back then and so i will say without a doubt that the pools are better now. Like that they're better for sure. So back in game week 186, I finished first in all-star rare. It was D4 back then. I, so back then in that game week, there were nine tier zeros up for grabs, which now there's like nine players. It's actually double that, but, but think of, so you go in and you win and you're like, all right, I know I'm going to win one of these 84 players, which is kind of nuts. Obviously you're not going to win like the 84th because they had to hand out nine of them, but there were nine stars available out of 84 in the pool. The player that I won was 27th in the pool. So there were 26 players that were better, theoretically, according to Sora, better than what I won. And I remember when I won, you just immediately go to the top. And it wasn't even Mbappe, but like you think of like the, the best players on the platform because you're like, I just won All-Star Rare. And I won Carlos Heel, who Sean will like say is the best player on the platform. And so... There's that. Nanzo said, once you start winning, you realize that less than 10% of your rewards will come close to meeting your expectations. Welcome to the winner's circle there. First off, thank you. Uh, and I'm, I believe that because, because we always... So that's where I'm going with this, though, is that our expectations should be... Even if you have realistic expectations, luck still has to be on your side. And so... Mike Baston said that he agrees with Nanzo and says the rewards I've been most pleased with have come from the lower tiers 
old and new. And so, which is kind of right. You were like, wow, I didn't realize that guy was like a tier two. This is great. And so, so that was game week 186. In game week 190, like I went in clusters apparently. I finished first in America Rare Pro. And in that week, there were 10 stars available, which is nuts. And there were 26 players in the star tier. And I won the fifth best, which was Carlos Vela, which I was actually happy about. I actually kind of hate Vela, but like that was a prize where I was like, that makes sense. I already had Carlos heel. So like there was a possibility I could have won another one. So that was game week 190. My next podium came 103 game weeks later where I finished third in specialist limited and I won I actually didn't even go through the number of players in the pool because I couldn't count that far but basically I won a tier one because specialist wasn't giving out stars so the person who finished first won a Sebastian Coates rare. And Coates was 74th in the pool. I finished third and won James Pantemis, who is now the backup in Montreal. Yeah. He was 103rd in the pool. And that's when I'm like, man, that's, that's bad luck. Because like they use their random number generator and they figure out where they're going to reward guys. And that felt like bad luck. I'm sorry I'm going through all of this, but it's like I, I just need to get it out. So thank you for being here to do that. My next one was my double podium was game week 359. When I won, I'm sorry, I didn't win anything. I finished third in Challenger Limited and second in Super Rare 240. Did I say 359? I'm just going to pull this up on the screen, mostly because I just love the new. So, I mean, they're stacked right there. So the the funny thing about this one was the realization that uh, you don't win anything else. Like there are no podium prizes, ETH prizes in cap 240 like first place wins the same as whoever's the last one who gets to the threshold but i was like oh i'm still gonna get like a decent reward so in that week um tier two was the top of the of the pool so the first place got like a got a ryan leonard unique and a lorenzo montipo super rare montipo is the goalie for Atalanta? Does that make sense? Verona, excuse me. Uh, so Montipo was 34th in the tier. And when you're 34th in the tier for a first place prize, that's kind of a bummer. Like, I feel like that isn't great. That isn't great, but I'm actually going to pull up the, what did I say? 359, the pool here. And people who know me, like, know I've already complained about this. And so they don't really care. So the prize pool for cap 240, again, like, so that Leonard was a tier four unique is what it is. So the top of the tier two was Reese James. And now I knew I wasn't going to get James because... There was only like first place could have gotten James, but I'm looking at these other guys, Roman Berkey, Nick Pope, Emiliano Martinez, Camille Piatkowski, Kieran Trippier, Jack Grish. Now these are super rares. Now, again, it's like, you're not going to win the top of the pool in cap 240. Like I get that. What's up, Clay? But I'm like, how far could you possibly go? So I keep scrolling and I, this is like the last time that I really like purposely looked at the prize pool. Cause I was like, what could I win? And I'm like, let me just scroll. But I'm like, man, a Benzema. I mean, at the time, Benzema, super bear, Rinders, 
like they these there are some banger cards. Uh, Stuver I would have taken because like a super rare goalie is great. So here's Montipo, who what did I say? Thirty fourth, right? Yeah, thirty fourth. So even if I knew he was the first place prize. I was like, all right, who's behind him that I can get? And I was like, man, so this is exactly what I did. Like I, so once I knew who I had and I knew who, who won, who the first place prize had, I went to back to the prize pool to find out where I was. So I was like, man, Joe Willis, Goretzka, SMS, Grifo, it would have been hilarious to win a Kai Havertz, but like Sean Johnson, like these are cards that would have made a huge change to my gallery. Like pretty much any goalie here would have made a big change to my gallery. Yamar Gomez Andrade, Benjamin Borjo, Jefferson Savarino, like banger card. Like these are cards where you win them and you're like, holy shit, that's a tier two. So I keep scrolling and I'm just like, man, where is Nicholas Madsen? Who's who I want? And I had to scroll literally to the bottom. There are 119 players in this prize pool. And for second place in cap 240 super rare, I got the 119th player. And I complained at the time because I was being a whiny brat about it because I was like, that's ridiculous. I won the one of 10, which you're like, Oh, that's cool. The reason I got the one of 10 is because they didn't mint him the entire season. So like there were zero super rares of him that season. And, and 359 is like a few weeks ago. Like what's the date on here? March. Yeah. April 4th. And so I was like, all right, this guy's like, he's actually decent. Like he's a decent scorer. He's under 23. Like it's a, it's a good card, I guess. He got benched for a little bit right after I won him. But the, but the problem that I had was that he, there were no cards of his. Like, I don't know how he got into tier two, um, which is exactly what Mike said. How do they rank him as a tier two with no sales? I don't know. But like, this is literally the, the one of, was April 5th. So that was the other thing. I got my super rare before a rare had even been auctioned. Like the auction was still going. And I'm just like, how does that happen? And the first uh, auction for the super rare was later in the month after he got benched and everything. So like the amount of luck that I needed to finish second in Cap 240 super rare was great. Like, that's awesome. But then I didn't have good luck because I got literally the worst possible card I could have won. So the last two I'm going to talk about are the two that I've had recently. So with U23 Rare Pro, the first place prize, so there was, both of them were stars. And there were 13 play, or excuse me, 19 players in the pool. Now, I understand that when you finish anywhere in the pool, like you can get anyone in the pool. So, oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Um, I also did Challenger Limited that game week 359. I finished third and got the third highest card, which was Grimaldo. So I was like, all right, there, that's where my luck went. It went to the Challenger Limited lineup, the prize pool, not Cat 240 Rare. They were super rare. So U23 Rare Pro, All-Star Rare Pro in game weeks 375 and 379 respectively, there were 19 players in the prize pool, in the, in the star tier. For U23, first place got the fourth best card, which was uh, Luigi Donnarumma. And there were four stars given away. So four stars given away. First place got the fourth on the list. I was second on the list and got the 12th highest. So from four to 12, all of these cards that I didn't win. Let me see if I can, what did I say? 375. And the problem that I had with that one, 
and I'm going to blame my good friend PSU fans too on this, is that he sent me a screenshot that was basically this. Um, actually, it was a little... It was essentially like this. So I saw Mbappe first, obviously, like, yeah, that, that would be fun. Sorry, let me make myself a little smaller here. So Mbappe, and I joked around with him because I was like, I'm going to be furious if I win Georgie Petrovich. Because, and he's like, that's a great card. And like price-wise, it's a good card. But after him, Jude Bellingham, John Luigi Donnarumma, Florian Wirtz, Martin Vandevort, Jamal Musiala, Kaisuke Osako, Tiago Almada, Bart Verbruggen. I finished second in this competition. So I was like, if I get Petrovic, I'm furious. And I will literally sell it to get... I told, I actually told Sean, there are only three guys in this that I would like really be psyched about. And it was Bellingham, Verts, and Musiala. So when I open my reward and it's Chris Brady, who is right behind Pedri and ahead of guys like Bukayo Saka, Simons, Kavicha, Arta Gurler, Guler, excuse me. I was pissed. It also didn't help that he got like a, he got a in the face literally the next game. But so I was like, that's bad luck. It is what it is. And then I finish second in all-star two weeks later. Again, four stars up for grabs. And I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry for complaining this much. So the prize pool. So first through fourth gets stars. Mbappe is obviously the top. Like Mbappe, Kimmich, Messi, Musiala, Kane, Bruno Fernandez, Courtois. It's funny to see Petrovic, Verbruggen, Kobol, Verts, Griezmann. Like those are awesome. So I went through that list. I actually didn't even mean to do this. But Cucho, who is who I won, was 13th in this list for finishing second. Now, first place got Courtois, which was seventh. I'm just like, that's bad luck. Like Cucho, and everyone's like, Cucho's a great card. I'm like, he, that is a great card. But the ones above it obviously are good. And I just wasn't expecting at all to end up with Cucho when like Mohamed Salah is behind him. Now, that is what it is. So Sean won All-Star Rare this same game week and won Kimmich. And like, that's good luck. But Sean's also had really shitty luck sometimes on rewards. And so like, it is what it is. And the luck thing that leads me to, wow, it's actually transitioning somewhere. So the luck thing, sorry, some bird just like, Almost flew into my window. So the luck thing plays into another topic that I wanted to bring up thanks to a NEP stream. And it's a very popular like DFS phrase, but it's process over results. And NEP is kind of in the middle of this. I, I literally would call this like a so rare midlife crisis. Because he's like taking a... He's like stepping back. He's trying to do like a bird's eye view of everything. And he's like, what do I need to do? Why did I do this? And he's trying to get better. And I get it. Like we, we all should do this. And so one of the things that he did was he went through his lineups from one of these past game weeks. And he was explaining that he had this like essentially a 1v1 between, I think it was Hany Mukhtar and Hector Herrera. And he, he had them in different lineups. And he's like, if I had just swapped them, I would have won, like literally first place or something like that. And that's something that this show started with, like off topic, which used to be rabbit hunting, was kind of like me going through my lineups, but also was going to be, I like I had a situation once where it was like I had, I forget who the other player was, but I played Pedro Gonzalez and I should have played, and I was considering someone else. And had I played the someone else, I would have won All-Star Limited. And I think a lot of people would be furious about that. And I just wasn't because I knew that it was essentially a toss up. And 
it's not like I made the wrong choice because there are, there are times where you look at your lineup and you're like, I met, I, that is the wrong decision that I made. Happens to me all the time. And it's actually, so forget that. But there are situations where we know we have like two players who are very similar and you can just go back and forth and you're like, I, I really think they're both good or at least they're both equally not bad. And you don't know which one to take. And so you, you choose one. And it turns out that the one that you didn't choose would have been the right decision. Or excuse me, would have finished higher. But we look at that like, man, that was wrong. I should have done this. And then we use that when we make lineups later. It's like, Oh, but the last time I had something like this, I went with that guy. So this time I'm going to go with the other one. But like it, they're, they're completely separate situations. And what happened previously in terms of that coin flip that didn't go your way should have no bearing on the, the next coin flip where you're like, actually, no, I'm not going to play this guy because the last time I played him, I, sh I shouldn't have, shouldn't have. Like, that's how we think. But it wasn't that it, you shouldn't have played him. It just, the, the luck of whatever happened, happened to the other guy. And so we want to make sure that, so Nando's saying part of an effective process is not to rabbit hunt, make sound decisions and move on to the next game week. So it's definitely that. I don't think rabbit hunting is bad if you're using it to discover that you actually made a mistake. So like there are times where like before a game week, we're like, yeah, these two players are equal. I'll just pick one. And then it doesn't go your way. And you're like, I should have picked the other. But there is a, there are times where we think two players are the same. And it turns out that they're not. And it's not because of what happened, but just like there was something in your process where you're like, actually, these guys were not as similar as I thought. And so I should have played the other guy for this reason and not because he just happened to score more that game week. And so all of these, there, there are a lot of these situations and this is gonna basically go back to some conversations that I used to have when I, when I played DFS and when I did DFS content. I primarily did it with a guy named Jordan Cooper who's at Blender HD on, on Twitter. And a lot of the conversations that I had with, with Jordan about like lineup building and contest prioritization effectively ends with like, everything always ends with like, what's the most probable outcome? And like, that's what we want when we're making our lineups, like is the most probable outcome that this guy scores more or this guy scores more. And the idea is like, well, if you played this game week a million times, which one scores the most in that million game weeks? And you that's the way you have to think. But the problem is that we will never have that much information. And so that's that's ultimately kind of what makes you think like you're unlucky. But like I can I, I can think of countless times where like I'm making a DFS lineup. And there are two players. They're basically two players or it's two on this side and two on this side. And like, they're equal going in. So like, you just have to choose one. And it just felt like I was always choosing the wrong one. And the response is like, well, if you played that out a million times, like 53%, you were right. It's like, we're never going to play enough. We're not going to, we're never going to have enough game weeks. We're never going to play enough slates to, to see that. So you just have to have some luck on your side when those situations happen. And Mike Bastin brings up this fantastic point that good luck can blind you about bad decisions in that maybe there is one that just happens to be a coin flip and you're like, but, but it's not really. There's one that has a 60% outcome, positive outcome. The other one's 40. You take the 40 that is actually a bad decision. Not only does, does 
if the result goes your way, not only do you think you made the the right decision, or yeah, not only do you think you made the right decision, but you also don't go back and think, did I make the right decision? Because you're like, oh, I made the right decision. So that's it. I'm good. And that's why I think it's actually really important about going back on your lineups. And, and nobody really does this. I mean, maybe people do it. Not enough people do it. And there's no content about it because nobody really wants to, like, that's why I stopped doing it. Because like people, people go through their lineups when they do their reward openings and they talk about what, oh, this was good or bad, but like very little goes back to like the decision-making. And if it does, it's, this is what I should have done because these guys scored the most. And it's like, well, that guy had like a, an incorrectly scored clearance off the line that Opta never changed. So did you make the right decision? No, they gave up two goals and he shouldn't, he should have scored 36, but he had 68 because of this incorrectly scored thing that happened to go your way. But you don't go back and think like, man, I shouldn't have played him. You just think like, yeah, that was the right call. I'm glad I got that clearance off the line. Callum McDonald said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So that's the, like hindsight is like the most dangerous thing because we use it incorrectly. And so I wanted to kind of talk about the luck thing and then the, the process thing, because I don't think enough people really consider their processes because one of the problems with it, and this happens with DFS also, there's just constantly game weeks, like game week after game week after game week, they start as soon as they finish. And so it gives you very little time to look back on your lineups and say, was this the right decision? And obviously the more cards you have, the more decisions you have to make. So it's easier to go back and be like, did I make the right decision? And you don't do that by saying, what could I have done to get first place? You can just look at your lineup and say, was this the best lineup or lineups or whatever that I could have put together that game week? And if the answer is yes, and you just didn't win anything, like that's okay. Like as long as the, the process is right, theoretically, the results should come. But I hate to say this, sometimes they don't. Like sometimes you can play so rare and game week after game week after game week, it's just not happening. And I appreciate that there are people who are like, I'm giving up because this is just not happening. And sometimes it's just like, well, maybe in the 100 game weeks that you're going to play and you could win something 40% of the time and you're just getting all of the losses out of the way now. And this isn't like just keep plowing money into things, but like you just have to appreciate that if you're doing the right things, at some point it is going to happen. Like you are going to be successful. The only issue is, is that you have to hold on long enough for it to happen. And I appreciate that sometimes people just don't want to do that because it just feels like forever when you're not winning. But even if you win, you're not guaranteed to get like exactly what you want. And like, that's the, that's the luck back to the luck thing. They, like luck needs to be on your side for some of these. And so just instead of going back and saying, which cards should I have played because they scored the most. And it's an international break. Like this is when we should do this stuff. You just go back and say, was this the right process of this lineup that it just didn't work? There was a, like the number of times where, you know, you have a, I like immediately think of Franco Armani, like River Plate, huge favorite at home. And they win like 5-1. But the goal they gave up, Armani conceded a penalty. And so now his, like, River Plate dominates the game, which you got right. And Armani scores 12 because he happened to do something, you know, commits penalty whether it was a fantastic play by the opposing attacker, whatever it is, something resulted in a penalty. Maybe it was even incorrect, but you know, VAR, VAR wasn't working, whatever, like luck just went against you, but that process is right. And so don't let the like, Oh, Armani's not any good because the last time he played at home against Banfield, he had a two, like 
know, know if it's good process or not. So Rahan said, wouldn't it be great if we had a Gray's Sports Almanac and could go back in time? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Michael J. Fox too. Um, so those were the two main things I wanted to discuss. The, the can you build a lineup to win all-star rare? And I mentioned, I like asked Nep this in the chat during his stream. And if anybody, I think he's streaming like every day now on um, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Nepenthes. Follow him on Twitter too. And it's like all sort of stuff. It's great. Like I watch a, a ton of it and it's it's good because he goes through stuff like this. And you can like watch somebody go through their midlife so rare crisis. Um, and Gok said, always bet on positive expected value. Like exactly that. Like you're not going to win everything. But as long as you win more than you lose. But anyway, so this, can you build a lineup that, that can win all-star rare? And my question was like, are you trying to win all-star rare once? Or are you trying to build lineup lineups that always have a chance to win all-star rare? Because those are very different. Because if you wanted to win all-star rare this week, it, it doesn't even need to be all-star. Like that's the other funny thing. So, um, my strategy show partner, PSU fans too, won All-Star Unique? No, what did he win? He won something stupid this past week. 23 Unique maybe? Now, like, the Unique has a, there's part of that. Oh, he won America Unique, excuse me, with two playing super rares. This is actually one of those where I actually don't think this should have even been allowed to enter, but who am I? So we had John McCarthy. So there was one MLS game this week, this midweek, LAFC at home to Houston. And he had a John McCarthy super rare, an Archer super rare. So that's one player from LA, one player from Houston, and then three non-playing players. And he finished first. And he won a tier two super rare, 0.114 ETH and 600 coins. And so... If you wanted to win All-Star Champion America Unique once, all you had to do was buy two super rares that out that scored more than 107 points with their bonuses and have three uniques. Like you and so for all-star rare, like this is what happens in these like random midweeks. Like all-star uh, where did I go? Rare. 364 points to win. Livakovic, Sutalo, Modric, Ivanusic, and Kramaric. Is that international? Yeah, international stuff. And so you can plan for this. So, th so that's where I was going with this. You can plan to play like specific game weeks and say like, I'm going to have the five best players for that specific game week. And you find one of these dead game weeks that have no players. Uh, Andy Black has a ton of these. Like when there were like random Liga MX midweeks and he has a bunch of uniques. And he was um, around Christmas time when the Premier League came back and he had like a bunch of West Ham super rares. And he's just like finishing first a bunch then. And like, so, the, so yes, you can build to win all-star rare. But that doesn't mean you're going to. Like you could put, you could literally take the five best players for that game week, home against the worst teams. They give up a ton of points to those positions. And maybe someone else just happens to have a team that had two guys with a hat trick and a goalie that had a penalty save. And the penalty itself is like so random. And so like you can try and like you can think of the probabilities with it. But ultimately, it's completely out of our hands. And it's also one of those things that I think people really misunderstand probabilities. And the more that you play games that have to do with probabilities, which is why like there's a huge overlap between poker and DFS, and then people play so rare and poker, I guess. I don't think it's really there, but, but anyway. 
understanding the probability of something happening is very different for a lot of people, which is funny because it shouldn't, because it's basically math. But the way that people think of it, like if something is 80, so we have, this is exactly what we, what everybody does with lineup projections. Someone's like, yeah, this guy's like 80% to start. And then he doesn't start. And people are like, you said he was going to start. And it was like, well, there was a 20% chance he didn't start. And the outcome that happened was within that 20%. And you're like, yeah, but 80% is basically 90%, 95%. Like 95% is basically 100. It's like, no, no, it's not. Like it's very much not. And so 40% chance to rain today. And it rains. And we're like, there's less than 50% chance. It's like, that's actually pretty high. But it's stuff like that, that like you need to build lineups that have the best probability to win. And if it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean you were wrong. It just means that the, the low outcome, low percentage outcome happened because they happen. Like they have to happen or else it would be 100% that it wouldn't happen. And so getting a better understanding and you, you don't need the math about it, just the, the, the general understanding of if something is 90% likely to happen and it doesn't happen, that's okay. It just didn't happen that week. And like, that's what we need to do with all of this. That you just want to make the lineup that is the most likely outcome to succeed. And even if it doesn't, that, and if it doesn't, excuse me, then you're not necessarily wrong. Now, you could be wrong that you thought you were building the most probabilist, probabilistic, excuse me, lineup to succeed and it doesn't. And it turns out that actually what you put together was garbage. Like that happens. You play a known DNP. I mean, that happens all the time. But we just, we need to do a better job. And an international break is a great time to look back in your lineups and just be like, did I do this correctly? And try to learn from what you did. But also know that even if you are completely successful, you could get the worst card in the tier. And does that mean now, and now you're like, man, so this actually isn't worth it at all. Just because you happen to, you got the 119th card in the pool instead of the second. All right, I'm done. I got nothing else to say. <clears throat> or I don't even know where else I would go with that. I think there was another topic I wanted to discuss, but I've done enough complaining and all of that. So if anyone in the chat has anything you want to talk about for the next 12-ish minutes, I'm all ears. Quinny saying, vamos river. Man, that team is so frustrating. Um, yeah, so there's that. Or I could just cut off. That's fine. I don't need to hang out too long. Although I don't feel like I've stayed on topic for a lot since I had topics to talk about. So that I should move on to talking about something completely differently. I don't know. I guess I'll go back through the chat. I didn't see. Now you guys are pretty quiet today. I'm not going to lie. A lot of lurkers, I'm guessing. Oh, like the video, please. Subscribe to the channel. All that good stuff. Rikomon said, this is my worst nightmare. What's worse, River Plate or Sporting? Um, that's a great question. Yeah, that they're both, they've had both provided so much pain to my gallery. Some of which are my own fault, to be honest. I was looking back the other day, well, yesterday. So a, a river plate stack early on in so rare, like a lot of my level 20 cards are, are river plate cards. And I had this conversation with, with Sean for such a long time that for a while, Paolo Diaz was like the main like he was the guy and I, I have it as rare and he had, I mean, he gets hurt a lot. I get, these aren't all for, uh, that helps a little bit, but the, uh, Paolo Diaz super rare would have been like, would have made a lot of sense for my gallery. And then I finally got one and he's been terrible. Isco said, Paolo Diaz talk and I missed it. Just starting, just starting. But yeah, so I bought this card. I was so happy when I finally got it. And I was looking the other day and I've won four, three card rewards with it. But like I literally finished fourth, seventh, and eighth to win card rewards with him. 
And then I finished 17th in Cap 240 Super. I'm surprised I didn't win a card for that. Um, so it's one of those weird things that like when he plays and when I use him, or when I use him and he plays well, I, mean, I finish really highly. But this card just has brought so much pain to me because the number of lineups where I'm like, he should play. And the good place brought this up because, and I was thinking the same thing. If Diaz scored a hundred this weekend when it doesn't count, I mean, it's, it's like guaranteed that it's going to happen, but a lot of my times of struggling with Paolo Diaz is my, is my own, I'll say it's my own fault, but like I knew, I knew the risk and the risk just didn't, didn't pay Nanzo said, short-term, does winning and getting a disappointing reward feel worse than losing? That's a good question. Um, I, th I think losing is still worse. I think it's still worse. I mean, of course it's worse. What am I talking about? Of course it is. Um, so rare brain said Diogo Costa hasn't had a limited auction since December. I don't think Porto is licensed anymore. So he hasn't had an auction of anything. So yeah, they lost the, ben um, they lost the sporting one too. Sporting Porto, Minero, River Plate, Inter, Juve, all had them and now gone. Um, Isco said, I traded my Paolo rare for Pires since Paolo's made of glass. Yes, great move. LGP has been amazing. I like, I can't believe he's been this good because I never thought, I never rated him. I'll put it that way. Um, Nanzo, this, <clears throat> this is throwing me for a loop here. This winning versus, winning and disappointment versus losing. And I think part of the reason why, oh, good place said Boca lost too. Yeah. The, Like it feels really bad to complain about winning. And actually I meant to say this like at the beginning, but I, I like come whined on, on Twitter about Cucho. So my Cucho, was, what did I say? He was 13th in the tier and that's what I want. 13 of 19. And I got that for second and second place in America rare also got Cucho, but he was like fourth. So I was like, how could fourth be the same as 13th from America rare versus all-star rare pro. And then I saw that the U 23 rare pro winner got Cucho. And so, and Paul from so rare responded and with like the correct response, like I, I should just apologize for being such a whiny brat. Uh, so I appreciate Paul reaching out on that because what he said was right, but I, but I also was disappointed. And it was the second time in two weeks that I thought I would win something great and I didn't. And you can argue whether what I won was great or not, but I wasn't excited about it. And it was disappointing because there were cards that I was, that I could have been excited about and I didn't get those. Like, so I'm literally, it's just whining. Like, I get it. I like, I'm over it now. I sold Cucho already. In fact, I've gone on like a so rare bender recently. So I don't even want to talk about that. Um, so rare brain said it feels worse to win and get stitched. Just admit it. I, it, well, like, so that's the problem is that there are no expectations if you don't win the reward. You're like, oh, I just didn't win. And now it's like, oh, I have a podium in two, what I would argue, uh, maybe Champion Europe. So I would argue that All-Star Rare Pro and U23 Rare Pro are two of the three best competitions on so Rare. Like, I think that that's where people want to compete. And I podiumed two of them, two of the three. I think champion Europe or pro is the other. Um, and so, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's the hope that kills you, I guess. Um, Wedge Game says, secondary market profit and loss is more predictable than SO5. Bad luck in the rewards pool isn't as consequential if you're not solely relying on SO5 to build value. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Nanzo says the trick is to never look at the prize pool of what or what others won. I find that helps a lot. So I agree with you. I used to never look at the prize pool. But the problem, the problem was for both of those cards, like um, I had looked at the prize pool before for U23 because Sean sent it to me. I did not look at it for All-Star. And the problem is, is that when I saw the reward, I was like, is like I looked at the prize pool because I was like, is this guy really in the prize pool? Like that's the, that was the problem because we have moved to a significantly better reward system where star rewards are actual star. Like they're the star players. And that expectation means like, and it's not always Mbappe, but it's like, I'm going to get someone that, so this is the way I was looking at it. If you're in the star category, Tons of people that you would find would know who that player is. And I realized that the game artificially pumps the value of some cards like Chris Brady because he's 18 and other younger players who like people don't always know yet. But then it's like, oh, I won Cucho. And if like you're not into MLS, you're like, who the hell is that? Or Chris Brady. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like a 19-year-old goalie from the Chicago Fire. It's like, aren't the fire terrible? It's like, yeah, but he's but he's 18, 19, whatever he is. So that was that's that's why it ultimately is disappointing. Um, and so wedge game about like trading in a secondary market trading, and I'm not even gonna go into that a lot now, but actually goes back to one of the to the beginning about having a gallery that just like churns rewards and kind of what Nanzo brought up uh, is you can't, I mean, winning rewards every week means you like literally means you don't have like a static gallery. And that doesn't mean you have to like sell every reward you get, but there are going to be points where like, maybe my gallery is not as competitive as it used to be. And you have to sell rewards to make your gallery better. And like, that's what Sean does. Like Sean, is very open that he hasn't taken much money out of so rare because he uses what he wins to make his gallery better, whether it's trading cart, well, he doesn't do that, but like selling good rewards that like maybe just don't make his lineups that much and using that and accumulating ETH to then buy the super cards that he thinks he needs. And so the idea of having just a stagnant gallery of rewards that constantly churn and allow you to withdraw thousands of dollars every month so you can literally not work and just live off of your jpegs it's just unrealistic because at some point you're not even you're not going to be competitive enough to generate those rewards like you're just not going to win and so that's the problem um sorry i just got an alert from so rare Oh, this is just like what we did this week. Anyway, Nanzo said the tier zero rewards were better for about a week. Now it feels back to pretty much where it was, or is that just me? I, I disagree with you. I do think that the, I think, maybe I don't totally disagree with you, but the, the way that the star pool was, like, what did I say? Back in game week 186, which again, it's a long time. It's like two years ago almost exactly two years. There were 84 players in the, in the star tier. And that's crazy. I was, so I'll admit part of this exercise, I was literally like going to stop talking like minutes ago, but I'm going to go through this now. What did I say? 186. It's funny to go back and see the prize pool and like which players were actually stars back then. Um, let me see. 186. Here we go. So in game week 186, there's my all-star rare pro. Shout out to Misaki Higashiguchi. Casper Shabilla. Like, speaking of luck, this lineup is garbage. 
but it won. Anyway, so this one, like the top nine got stars. And so the <clears throat> if we go through it, and you're like, oh, wow, like Neymar, sure, Lewandowski, Courtois, Alfonso Davies, like the fourth highest. Graven Birch was, was still at Ajax at the time. But like you scroll through and you're like, yeah, Maximenko, Kositani, Gohitano, who I got as a referral reward reward back in the day. Like th this is, these are the best cards that you can win on so rare. Martin Odegaard was at, at Real Madrid at the time. Matt Turner was the goalie for New England Revolution. He's, he was the Petrovich minus the U23. And so here's Higashiguchi. Higashi, yeah, I said that right. And it's just funny. And at Don here, second to last, somehow behind like CDK and Hulk and Gaeze, Rodrigo. So like theoretically, I could have won any of these guys. So I won Gil, which, um, where is Carlos Hill? There he is. Yeah, right behind Diogo Jota and ahead of Carlos Acevedo and Matt V. Safinoff. Like, what is that? Um, Isco says Angolari was good. He was great at River Plate. He was great. But anyway, so like, we've I think we've come a long way. It's just that part of it is that like star, like cards are not worth as much as they were a while ago. And so you win a star and you're like, oh, it's worth half an ETH. And you go back and you're like, wait a minute. The guy who won two months ago, that card was worth, you know, not even that card, like first place was worth like 1.5. And you're like, well, yeah, that 1.5 is worth 0.6 now. Um, but yeah, it's just like the, the luck's got to be on your side on that one. And um, I think that, I think the pools are better. I also think though that part of the reason people want to finish at the top of tiers one and not the bottom of tier zero is that they're pretty much the same, which like, they should be like, not the same, but I've said this before on a show, but if you're thinking of the star of the, of the tiers and like players are in what tier, really all this is, is a ranked list of players from one to 8,000. And they're just arbitrarily putting lines somewhere. And that's like guys above this line are in tier zero. Guys between this line and the next line are tier one. And it just goes like that. So if you remove the lines, then obviously last place in tier zero and first place in tier one are, are, could be almost exactly the same. 50.01 and 49.99. And so the, so when you look at it that way and you're like, which one do I want? So I'm trying to look this up quickly now. So, the, so for 382, so that's this mid, uh, midweek coming up. So Mbappe is at the top. But Mohamed Salah is the last tier zero prize, star tier for all-star. And the first in tier one, Geronimo Rui, Kaisuke Osako, Rodrigo. Like, are these guys that much worse than Salah? Like, not really. And you could just do it. I don't even know who these guys are at the bottom. Who is Vanja? Vanja? Cecenia is also broken. Like Cecenia being this low in tier one is crazy. Somebody should go fix that. But then like the top of tier two, Carlos Coronel, Rashford, like it's all, they're all similar. But there are people who are like fully convinced that they would rather be like at the top of tier one versus the bottom of tier zero. And I think the only reason that's the case is because if you win a tier zero, your expectation is really high. And then when you get the guy at the bottom, you're like, ah, oh, I should have just, I wish I had finished lower so that I would have the tier one, like a high tier one. Because then when you think of tier one, you're like, oh, it's none of the star guys, even though it's really close to at least one or two. Uh, and then you're just happy. When he said there's a glass ceiling on SO5 value versus in real life ability. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are, I mean, SO5 itself puts value on cards that should never have a value in real life. Like Chris Brady. That's all I got. Thank you everyone for joining. If you guys have not hit the like button, please do so. Um, I'm probably going to go check out Nep's, Nep's stream.
but although he's in the middle now and I got to start over, never mind. Forget nap. Um, but yeah, I'll be back next week. Let's see. Monday, strategy show. Tuesday, office hours. Wednesday, limited time only. Thursday, so we're Andrews. And Friday, this show, Wedge Game. They're going to win Mbappe next week for sure. I hope so. I don't, I don't even have a lineup this week. So I mean, I have one, but not really. Um, but yeah, would love to win Mbappe for sure. That would be fun. That'd be fun. Plenty of cards I'd rather win. That I would also like to win that are not Mbappe. But if there are any show or topics that you guys want us to discuss on any of the shows, uh, definitely feel free to reach out to me uh, at Andrew M. Laird on Twitter. You can find me on Discord, same name. And that's probably the best way. Or you can comment on one of the videos uh, on YouTube and there's that. So definitely get in touch. Um, like I said, yesterday's show was a bit, how did Andy describe it? So rare potpourri. Um, but if... But seriously, though, if there are any specific things you guys want us to hit on, uh, we'll be happy to do that. So thank you, everyone. And uh, oh, happy Father's Day for all the fathers out there. Um, I don't know if it's everywhere, but it's Father's Day in the States here on, on Sunday. It is also John Nellis's birthday on Sunday, June 18th. So hit him up with a happy birthday message that day. Uh, so, John, happy birthday and uh, good luck, everyone.